welcome to the Leftfield Show. My name's Joe Greenwood. Hope you're all doing well this week. Um, it's good to be back, as per usual. And um, this week I thought we'd continue talking about significant American directors. And this week talk about Michael Mann, but only really talk about two films of his, which um, I think are his most significant of recent times, uh, which is Collateral and Miami Vice, um, which I think are two interesting choices, just purely on surface levels, if you just look at how they're received in his larger body of work, that they're both kind of, I think, under-talked about, and I feel like Michael Mann as a director himself is slightly under-talked about. Most people, when they talk about him, they talk about Heat and The Insider, mainly, but these two are probably my favourite of his. Probably Miami Vice might be my favourite Michael Mann film. I just think it's just such a stunning work. And we'll get into why uh, right now. Oh, whoa, whoa. Hey, yeah. Come on, man. I'm sorry. I didn't hear you, man. Come on. I'll take it. Where to? 1039 South Union Street. How long do you think this will take? Seven minutes. Seven. Not eight, not six. Two minutes to get across to 110 to Normandy, Normandy to Venice, three minutes. Over to Union is one. Shit happens. Okay, if I time you? Knock yourself out. What do I get if you're wrong? Free ride? You get an apology. I already offered my free ride a good day. To who? Some girl. Did you get a date with her? First time in LA? No. Tell you the truth, whenever I'm here, I can't wait to leave. You know, sprawled out, disconnected. You know, that's me. You like it? It's my home. 17 million people. This is a country be the fifth biggest economy in the world, and nobody knows each other. I read about this guy who gets on the MTA here, dies. Six hours he's riding the subway before anybody notices his corpse doing laps around LA, people on and off sitting next to him. Nobody notices. Let's go straight into collateral. Uh, Michael Mann's really excellent uh, LA sets neo-noir of sorts. I mean, Michael Mann was really one of the first directors of neo-noir um, with his first feature film, Thief, which had James Caan playing a thief. Um, it was also, that's really, if you want to look at how influential Mann is, just look at Thief and see the films that it's influenced from that point onwards. Probably most famously, Drive, with its neon pink uh, titles and its synth score. But Collateral is the film I wanted to talk about uh, from 2004. stars Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise. As, uh, Tom Cruise plays a uh, hitman who comes to LA and uses Jamie, Jamie Foxx's uh, cab driver to go around LA to finish his hits and he wanted to do it without getting him involved but as things go things get a bit messy and Jamie Foxx gets tied into the killings. 
Um, why I wanted to talk about collateral um, and these two films for Mend is for one reason, which is his use of digital technology. He used um, he was the first to sort of use digital cameras really in a, on a sort of large scale. Those, of course, there was filmmakers like Mike Figgis as well who used digital cameras for his film. Um, what was that Mike Figgis film called? Time Code. Mike Figgis film uh, it's called Time Code. And David Fincher used a lot of digital technology for Panic Room and Zodiac all around about the same time that Mike Mann was going into it. But what makes Mann's use so interesting was that he fully embraced the sort of digitalness of them, the simple visual technique of, of it, whereas uh, Fincher and Soderbergh sort of hid behind the digital man was very upfront with it and he was very much sort of fully embracing of it. Collateral is actually quite an interesting one because it's a mix of 35mm and digital uh, film. I think for, if I remember correctly, all of the major interiors were film and all of the exteriors were shot on digital including the cab. So the cab had a this slightly sort of otherworldly used to uh, feel to it. Because if you use film for all exteriors except one, that one exterior is going to um, excuse me, one interior is going to stand out from the others simply because of that. Michael Mann's films are sort of very typically masculine sort of films if you think back to it. There's of course the uh, Heat as well which had the two acting juggernauts Al Pacino and Robert De Niro who had never appeared on film together at the same time of course they were in Godfather 2 but two different uh, timelines in that film oh no same timeline but different points in the timeline uh, whereas he, he had the very famous confrontation over uh, coffee that's another thing that you see in a lot of Michael Mann films is coffee if you, uh, if you want to go back and rewatch them. What's most interesting about the digital uh, technology and collateral is he mainly uses it uh, for exterior so that we can see the depth of the night. This was one of the first times you could really see the full scale of Los Angeles at night. The sort of uh, helicopter shots that were have now become cliché. They were always sort of cliché, but never to this clarity it was uh he, he really does push this technology far and this idea of seeing further into the night also is reflected into the characters where you see it as far as they can go into their own personal darkness was another typical man archetype is the sort of lone male who tries to or does form a partnership or a relationship with another man uh, on a personal, mainly professional level, or on a professional level, never making it personal. And then when it comes to it at the crux, at the sort of climax of the film, it becomes personal for just that one moment. It, they admit to how personal it actually was in this final sort of release. If you think back to it, of sort of heat and compare it to collateral, the two characters, you have Vincent, um, Tom Cruise, and Neil McCauley. Uh, Robert De Niro and he 
are both criminals, but man doesn't sort of advocate how their death sort of reinstates some sort of status quo within the world. Instead, that says that these deaths are for those who transgress the social order and are actually very much their own things, and that we should actually praise these people more than anything because they are willing to sort of subvert society's norms, you know. They'd rather choose death, in fact. They're happy to embrace it than than conform. And ultimately, I think that's kind of what man is best at, is these sort of very intense, brooding, tough character studies. These ideas of men that are totally engaged with one another and also what makes them men, which is either their jobs or just their personal belief systems. And I think more than Collateral, the film that really drives home this idea is Miami Vice. I'm working here. Listen, you don't want to see the victim right improvisation and everything like that. You like the guy, you like how he plays this. Let's just play a little jazz. Come on. Improvise. That's funny coming from you. How's this? I'll ask a question. What question? Jazz question. You get it right. We roll. You disappear tonight. If I walk out of here tonight, I will go so far away to be just like I was dead. And one more thing. These people in their rep here, Felix, well, you tell them I'm sorry. You tell them I had to. They laid a grant of immunity on me. I was compelled. It was either play ball or go back inside, and I'm not going back inside. Lay it on me. Where did Miles learn this? I know everything there is to know about Miles. Then let's have it. Music school. You got it at music school, right? His father was a dentist. East St. Louis. Invested in agriculture, made plenty of money. He sent Miles to Juilliard School of Music, New York, 1945. If you really want to get an idea of Michael Mann's continuing themes and how he explores them, here's the first paragraph of the screenplay for Miami Vice. We are at the delicate interface between ocean and air, liquid and gas, the event horizon where molecules evaporate. This interchange is ethereal. Then... Low frequencies rumble through depths, louder, closer, now. And the ocean's surface is torn by a 46-foot catamaran and the roar of a 2,700-horsepower rocketing ass at 140 knots. Michael Mann, of course, back when Miami Vice was originally a TV series, directed episodes of the show. And he went on to make the feature film version of it with Jamie Foxx and Colin Farrell. Also, what's an interesting one with Miami Vice is the casting of uh, Li Gong, who is a Chinese actress who, this was her first uh, American film, couldn't speak uh, a single word of English, so she learned all the lines phonetically, which is an interesting and slightly difficult thing to get around. It does lend to sort of delivery a slightly off-kilter thing, but it gives this idea of 
her actually giving a performance that she doesn't actually really believe in, which is, it sort of adds to her sort of character in a lot of ways where she plays this drug dealer. The film is actually so, I think it's, it's such an underrated film, it's a film that I love deeply. I, I remember seeing it in the cinema and just being totally blown away with it because this was around about the time that I was starting to really get into films. I was about 15 at the time and of course I still love action movies of course but this was something there was something so different about it of course because it was shot on lower grade digital cameras he shot the whole thing this way there's this sort of vibrancy to it that was so exciting the film sort of looks and feels like nothing else to me it's got the grain the grain has become sort of outdated from the digital camera but it still feels new and different because the camera's moved on to such a point where Miami Vice is this sort of outlier in digital technology. It's this sort of snapshot of this single moment in time where this was where digital cameras were and then we moved on to something else. There's nothing that really looks like this on this scale. I mean, the atmosphere of the film is incredible. It, there's no setup or resolution to this film. We just... The film opens and ends mid-scene. There's no setup. Don't really know who the characters are. There's no resolution to it either. So it has this sort of very gloomy feel to it. The film is this overhanging, overbearing um, sense of injustice to it and anger and ultimately just sort of... It's quite a nihilistic film as well. There's... It goes back to this idea that man just really makes films about archetypes, these sort of people who are bound to their belief systems and to their jobs. But what sort of separates it from the other films is that whereas Heat, you had this sense of romanticism about their jobs and there's that really crushing scene where um, Val Kilmer comes back and is wife is at the balcony and he sees her and there's the police inside and she just shakes her head like don't come in the police are in here and it takes you back in that moment to when uh robert de niro said in the film don't get involved with anything that you can't walk away from in, within 30 seconds i've totally butchered the line obviously i can't quite remember it but there is this sort of sense of romanticism to it. Even Collateral as well, which has the Jada Pinkett Smith character who gives Jamie Foxx's sense of hope and relief to it. But with Miami Vice, it's these sort of like real sense of doom to it. I mean, Gong Li is, she's relying on Crockett to get out of the situation. And he's sort of feeling sort of late, stuck to her and stuck to his job. There is this real feeling of hopelessness to it. I actually think it's quite a beautiful film in a lot of ways in that how it just looks at these characters in this desperate way. There's, of course, the most fantastic sequence, I think, which is when uh, Gong Li and Colin Farrell get on a huge speedboat and just go to Cuba together, set to this Moby song. And... Um, that is the one moment of relief and it has this sort of almost angelic quality to the music that 
gives you the one moment of romanticism that you really know isn't that romantic. And that's what's so interesting about these films is that Michael Mann is someone who realises the releases that we need and then doesn't give it to us. He'd rather stick to his moral code of showing you what he's most interested in, which is men stuck to a moral code. going to wrap it up for this week's episode uh thank you so much for listening uh i've been trying to keep them really short at the moment i mean i had to cut this one down by quite a lot i feel like i don't know quite long how, how long it's come to i think it's about 20 minutes this week's episode is thank you so much for listening and um we'll be back next week for the last episode of the series uh, i'm not sh- quite sure what it's going to be on yet uh, I had an idea, but I don't think that I'm going to do that one now. Um, but you don't care about that. That doesn't matter. All you want to know is... When is this podcast going to end? And it's going to end right now. You can follow at Leftfield Shout on Twitter. And yeah, that's, that's about it. Thank you so much for listening. I uh, hope you have a nice week and I'll speak to you soon. Oh,